Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we are hoping that you've had an excellent Christmas, a very Merry Christmas. We hope that you got to spend some awesome time with your family and reflect on on the good times and all that. And so since we're getting that out of the way and you've had a great time and everything, let's look back on 2022 because that can only go well, right? Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's been a, it's been a bumpy ride. It's been an interesting year. It's been it's an interesting been a weird few years. Year. Yeah. But uh, we're going to get to that right after a quick word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, Randy. Um, So I think I mentioned this just the other day, but I was uh, sitting in Taco Bell. I talked about this, right? I did. I did. I talked about the oh, lady yes, in Taco yes, Bell yes, that, that kind of lost her that mind. You mentioned the last uh, podcast. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's that's actually um, – maybe she's a prime candidate for who this episode should be for. That I heard her say something to her kid and she said, and that's why the world's going to hell, Johnny, or something like that. Like just talking about how bad things have gotten. <laughs> and uh, and how bad it had gotten was that uh, she had actually – made an order from a different Taco Bell, got to this one and wanted to right, order. Right, 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 right. But listen, we're not trying to pick on her. No. The point is tensions are running a little high these days. That's the issue. That's the issue. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. You know, I, I, I hope that she had a good day after that, you know. But, um, you know, it's that case for a lot of us. I mean, I find myself throwing my hands up in traffic some days and screaming at the person in front of me because they don't know how to use their turn signal or their brake checking mirrors. I don't know. You know, whatever it is. But we're all running a little high on tension yeah. these days. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a product of the times. And so we thought that it would be fun. Fun. Is that fun. the word? No, that is not the right word. <laughs> we thought it would be beneficial. <laughs> yeah. Instructive, beneficial to look back on 2022 at some of the major highlights that stuck out to us. And a lot of them that we, we looked at at first, um, some of them were kind of US related primarily. Yeah. Um, but our listenership expands beyond that. And so we kind of decided let's break it down and let's focus on kind of like the world at large over the course of 2022, some big events that happened. Tension is high worldwide. Oh yeah. I mean, you got, I mean, so maybe, maybe the one that's just the most on the nose is 
Russia versus Ukraine. Right, right, right. We, we've talked about that a little bit thus far. Very little. We mentioned it, uh, but back in February, uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. Almost immediately, Zelensky got on TV and he, he I mean, he's he's been a, a rock star in all of this. Uh, he went on TV, said, this is what's coming. Uh, you may want to leave, but we will stay here and we'll, we'll defend our country. And they've done that, I think, to everybody's amazement. They've done that quite well. Yeah, I mean, they're as small of a country as they are. I, I, I thought that this was going to end badly and quickly. I did too. And listen, I'm not saying it's been good. It hasn't. But like they've they've really put up a, a fight. And I, I think that says something about maybe um, just – people of the world in general like i think people have it, and here's the other thing i know that there's a lot of controversy surrounding the the russia ukraine situation so i think what we want to do is focus less on the actual politics uh behind those things or necessarily you know talking about russia or talking about ukraine in a similar way that we're going to talk about these other situations going on in these other countries is the fact that that tension is high yeah yeah. Because because we can actually do something about that. We can't talk into the pieces of the world that we don't know anything about. Right. You know? well, right we can right. speculate and we can go, oh, well, I heard this or I heard that. But at the end of the day, I don't know many people from Ukraine and I don't know many people from Russia. And the people I do know in Ukraine and I, the people I do know in Russia aren't political figures and they're not on the inside of the situations. Right. They're people. Right. They're people. And so we're talking about people here. Yeah. Um. The fact of the matter is people in the world need peace right now. Yeah. So when we look at Russia and we look at Ukraine, what what can we glean from that as Christians? Um, one of the things in kind of keeping with the theme that we're looking at here, the high tensions, one of the things that uh, stood out to me is just how polarizing this was immediately. Uh, it's like people jumped uh, – they drew a line and they rushed to stand on one side or the other of that line. So you have NATO, uh, who is saying Ukraine good, Russia bad. Uh, mm -hmm. You have others who are saying uh, Russia has the right to do whatever they want. Uh, they have, they have uh, certain rights to Ukraine, which is by and large Russian speaking. And uh, uh, they were concerned that a certain segment of the society was not being adequately represented. And um, you, you get people very quickly polarizing. Yeah. Now, I think that there are more people on Ukraine's side than on Russia's side. But there are those who stand on Russia's side. Right. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I, I've, <laughs> I've been really jaded on politics, whether they be foreign or domestic, in recent years, because I just don't know who I can trust anymore. Coming through my TV screen, right? You know, and so you know, I've heard people go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sorry. I, I, I think it's, it's a sign of the times that, uh, not this past election cycle, but the previous one, the presidential election in the States, 
uh, fact checkers became a big thing. Yeah. Then we begin to fact check the fact checkers. Yeah. yeah the day Snope starts getting fact checked, yeah. and then it turns out some of that's not factual. Exactly. It's like, what do you even do now? It, like, it ends up that they have a specific bias that they're trying to present. So shocker, even the right? facts are not facts. Right. And so, like, and and the reason I bring up you know controversy among the Ukraine Russia situation is, I mean, Zelensky's got haters too. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like, and I don't know. I don't know enough about the guy. I don't claim to know the world's politics, and I'm not trying to. Right. What we're trying to understand is the Bible and and, and how do we be better people. And right. so when I look at Russia and I look at Ukraine, I see two groups of people that have governments over them and decisions are being made in both of those governments. Right. I don't know the inner workings of those situations, but I know people are dying and getting hurt in the middle. Exactly. And there are Christians on both sides of that border. Exactly. And what do they do? How do they respond? And, and that's just it is we've talked to Christians on both sides of that. We had. That's right. We had, who do we, who do we have from Ukraine on here? Cause we, we know the Rosses. Right. But we had somebody on from OMS. Bill Kidwell. Bill Kidwell was right. on and he was with OMS, he, right? He was with OMS working in Ukraine. Ukraine. Oh. And then you've got Sasha Sutsarov planting churches and seminaries in Russia. In Russia. And yeah. so it's like we know Christians on both sides of that border who love Jesus. Oh, very much like, so. So I'm not going to sit here and, and talk about Russia and Ukraine so much as like it just stinks seeing how much division has been bred into the world and how much turmoil and how much tension is happening between those two countries when I've got brothers and sisters in Christ on both sides of that line. Right. And they're all kind of in danger right now because of this. We're kind of talking politics. So in order to not get bogged down in the politics of any particular specific situation, um, we look at Canada. Yeah, in in Canada right now, they're going through it. They have a uh, 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 prime minister in in Trudeau, who's the son of a former former prime minister named Trudeau, and uh, again, there is incredible polarization taking place. I mean, so it's my understanding that are they still under lockdown in a lot of places in Canada? Frankly, I don't know. I don't know. See, like it just seems like if they're not, it seems like a lot of things that were put into place during lockdown have continued. Like that there's just a high level of tension between the people of Canada and the government of Canada right now, or at least the conservative people of Canada and the right. government. Yeah. Um that's and and once again, I I am not espousing to be a political genius here, but based on my own little echo chamber that I live in on YouTube, um, that's kind of what I've seen. But there, once again, you, you look and it's like Canada's just a few hours north of us. We're in Indiana. Right, right. I lived in Canada. I lived yeah. in Canada for five years. You did. Yeah. You did. You, you said your favorite uh, church experience you ever had was in Canada, wasn't it? Uh, I've had a lot of really cool church experiences, but, but just like the, the intercultural element oh, gosh, of it, yeah, like yeah, just yeah, I love that little church. I, so I guess yeah, I guess I'm talking about like the fact that you just had so many people from so many random cultures all yeah. together just be in the church, right? Like that to me is it was so different yeah. than anything yeah. I've ever seen. But my my point is, is it's just a few hours away from here, yeah. and it's like a whole other world, and. 
in so many ways, culturally, they're so similar to us. Oh, yeah. And so it it's so strange to it, – it's almost like looking into an alternate reality or something, uh, a very possible alternate reality, <laughs> and seeing like that could happen here. Easily. In no time. In right? some sense is happening here. <laughs> right, right. Whether we want to – yeah, I want to get into that or not, but – we we have from the UK uh, in 2022, Queen Elizabeth died. Queen Elizabeth, you know, say what you like about the the uh, the royalty, the monarchy, England, the monarchy, uh, popular system, unpopular system. The Queen was fairly universally appreciated. I wouldn't say she was necessarily loved by everyone, but. People felt like she was uh, uh, a spokesman for good things and well, did well. Which she kind of is, right? Because, yeah. like, they're not really politicians anymore. No, no. The monarchy is no. more like they're just kind of like celebrity status. Kind of, but there but are it's sort political of more, things. Yeah. yeah. Because the prime minister goes to the queen. That's one of their first uh, roles as right. a prime minister. But what I wanted to get at was uh, right around the time the Queen died, uh, Boris um, Boris Johnson Boris Johnson resigns as Prime Minister. As Prime Minister, a new Prime Minister is appointed, and she serves for roughly one week, and. Thought she had support for several programs, puts the programs up, and her own party didn't support him. And in less than a week, a uh, total of two weeks, she's gone. She has to resign. Right. And a third prime minister is now up. First, boy, I, I, uh, I hesitate to complete that sentence, but I believe it's the first prime minister of color. In Great Britain, he's uh, of Indian descendancy, I believe. Wait. What was... Hmm, hold on. I don't... Keep, I may be keep wrong. Keep talking. There. Keep talking. Yeah, but, but the issue is, uh, there again, high tensions, a lot of uh, change, and uh, just kind of difficult to understand exactly... Uh, uh, what's going on and and who to side with? Rishi uh, Rishi Sunak is the first UK Prime Minister of color. And I'm, yeah. I'm I, what I don't know is is he the first? It, I know he is of Indian descendancy. Yeah, because uh, it, well, that's what everybody's saying. So whether or not he is, okay. the, the internet is in agreement that he is. Oh, so if it's on the internet, if it's on it's the internet, true. it has to be true. <laughs> Yeah, it can't be wrong. So you heard it here first, folks. That's Google right. says that that is correct. In in Iran, we have protests that even as we're talking here, they are groaning over the death of a lady named Masa Amini. She was confronted in the streets of Iran for uh, – <clears throat> it wasn't that she didn't have headwear. It's that – A head covering. A head covering. Yeah. It's that – uh, they didn't feel it was whoever was talking to her didn't feel it was appropriate, hmm. and uh, ended up beating her, and she died. Um, there have been protests over that since then, 
And the protests are going. Uh, there have been executions as the Iranian government has arrested leaders in the protest. And I frankly don't know where that stands right now. But some of the reports that I read said that the actual uh, government of Iran may be in jeopardy because the, the protests are so widespread, so all-encompassing. They've never faced anything like this internally before. Wow. Tension. Tension. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you just chalk it up to, well, listen, the world's been in turmoil before. I mean, like, look just what, 80 years ago at, uh, at World War II or World War One, or, you know, like you, you can go back and back and back and there's always violence. There's always tension. There's always all this craziness going on in the world. Yeah. But have we ever been more aware of all of it? As we are right now? I think we need to come back to that because that's one of the things. I think tensions rise. As we are aware of similar tensions elsewhere in the world, we never used to be aware of that. Right. We would find out about it after the fact. Right. But now, front news, it's it's well, right it's, on the opening. It's a TikTok away. It's a, it's oh, that's a, right. That's it's right. a YouTube video away. It's Yeah. Brazil recently elected a new president, Luis Lula da Silva. He had been president from 2003 to 2010. He was uh, was and is uh, uh, more of a leftist president. He was jailed for corruption at the end of his presidential term in 2010. Well, he's out of prison. He ran again and he was elected. It was a close election. But he was elected again. Um, tension. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of the U.S. Our own midterm elections. Kind of unique. Both parties went into it saying, uh, we're going to win, we're going to win. And history shows over the last 40 years or so, 50 years maybe, that uh, midterm elections traditionally – the incumbent party loses seats. Yeah. Even when they were receiving relatively good marks, they would lose seats because somebody somewhere is upset. Right. Generally balances itself out that way. Well, the Democrats uh, were in power and the Republicans were projected to pick up both uh, uh, chambers yeah. of the government, Senate and House. And what actually happened is there was no change in the Senate. Which they lost one seat, they gained one seat. Is so odd because everyone was so convinced that there was just going to be this like red wave. Exactly. I, mean, I was listening to Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is a fairly liberal individual, and he's on there laughing. He's like, "It's going to be like that scene from The Shining when the elevator doors open. It's going to be a red wave." Like, and it was not. It was. And even in the House, uh, the House did switch control. It was narrowly controlled by the Democrats. The Republicans picked up 10 seats, but they only picked up 10 seats out of 435. Right. It was enough to give them slight control of the House. Um, yeah, just what in the world's going on? One state even had a runoff election. 
in that state, in the United States. Uh, individual states elect their senators, and they can actually set their own laws as to how that election mm-hmm. uh, takes place. Well, in Georgia, the winner had to have in excess of 50% of uh, the vote. No candidate did. They had two candidates just under 49. One, I believe, was the incumbent, and then the other was uh, the incumbent Democrat. The other was a Republican challenger who was a celebrity. He was a sports figure, a football player, a running back. Um, They had a runoff, and last week, uh, the incumbent, the Democrat, won. Uh, So... Democrats maintain exactly the 50 to 49 uh, figure that they had before and one independent. Uh, So very interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, with all that said, I mean, that's just more tension in the U.S. Um, Because, I mean, politically, the tensions here are at maybe an all time high. Like it's crazy. I, I I listen to people talk about you know the at least historically in the U.S. It seemed like there was always a, a basis of things that even when people were on different political agendas that they could agree on like at least some basic principles and find unity as Americans. Right. And. It doesn't necessarily feel like that ground is there. Oh, it's not. These days. It's, not. it's like more, more divided than ever. And like the left is further from the right and the right is further than from the left than it's maybe ever been in this country. And there is open, open hatred. Now, let's come back to that because I've listened to a podcast and I'm now an expert in this. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I did hear a podcast that had a very interesting take on the polarization of not just North America, but the world. But there's one other thing, one other polarizing thing that I wanted to mention. Elon Musk bought Twitter. I thought you were going to say something important. I really <laughs> did. But that is hugely important because prior to buying Twitter – Elon Musk was kind of the uh, – he, he was the, the favored child of many liberals. Yeah. He built Tesla, yeah. electric vehicles, <laughs> saved the planet, and he did it because he wanted to save the planet. He wanted to have yeah. an electric vehicle. Yeah. Um, then he built SpaceX. Uh, Going to space in in the name of capitalism. <laughs> and, and listen, I'm joking when I say something important. I understand that Twitter is like the platform for social dialogue these days. Social media is the realm in which that takes place. And so this has huge implications. It but really it's does. also incredibly goofy because Elon Musk is like just some engineer guy in my head. And now it's like That's exactly what he is. But he's like more than that now. He is more than I mean he is kind of in control of the freedom of speech in one way or another. He has become the influencer. <laughs> I'm not going to say he's handling it well all the time. He's, well, he's he's done some things where I'm like, that's 
only going to make people angry. Was it funny? Yes. <laughs> Was it the best decision? Probably not. So he bought Twitter and he made immediate changes. And of those immediate changes, he came in kind of as an entrepreneur. He looked around and he said, you know, this organization is way too fat. We have way too many people working here for the product that we're putting out. And he released, I don't know how many, but it was over half, I think, of the employees. And um, Twitter had no perceptible uh, decrease in performance. <laughs> but because of some of the things that Musk began to say, he began to incur the wrath of many liberals. So now suddenly he is like the champion of uh, the right wing, which is totally the opposite of what it was before. Right. Did, so pause. I'm sorry. I'm what, sorry. what did you find? So I, I just remembered seeing this like the day he took over and he walks in and he starts firing like all these people and he walks in and he's carrying a sink. Have you seen this? No. With the caption. Like it's the video of him walking in and the caption is, let that sink in. <laughs> he walked into Twitter HQ carrying a sink like that, for instance, like best idea. Probs not <laughs> funny, but but you're not going to please everyone with these decisions. Eli. Probably but, not. You know, can you? But like, yeah, I mean, it's it. This is polarizing as well. Right. I oh, mean, yeah, it's just yeah, yeah, one yeah. more thing for people to hate each other over. <laughs> and it's like, did we really need one more thing to hate each I, other? I read one story. <laughs> he has made many comments about how Twitter, past Twitter employees, and even at that point, current Twitter employees were using Twitter to complain about Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And there was one that made a very crass statement about Musk. It was so bad. On Twitter. And somebody responded to him and said, what would at Elon Musk think about that? Well, so, and then somebody, well, <laughs> and somebody that else brought it in. to Musk's intention. And so he responded and said, oh, yeah, you're fired. <laughs> On Twitter. <laughs> On Twitter. Right, right. But, that, but okay, okay. But this is also, this is an international thing, right? This is, this is not just a U.S. problem, even though. We may think of it that way because Twitter was Twitter. Twitter was started in the U.S., right? Um, or it's at least headquartered so. yeah, in the it, U.S. It's headquartered in the but U.S. But I've been reading that there are also um, European employees, and there's something about the way that he's just like randomly firing people that don't agree um, that that doesn't jive with uh, European law or Interesting. like in okay. the U.K. Okay. Okay. And so, like, this may turn into a bunch of lawsuits, but I don't even know how that works. Like, can one country sue another country for breaking the law of that other country? No, the country can't, but uh, Musk could be held responsible if Twitter exists uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, a department in Europe that it's governed by Europe's laws. Then there would be some sector of it yeah. that is affected. Yeah, that makes sense. The reality is you can't just make a decision and say, I'm going to do that without legal counsel to let you know, well, local laws prohibit that or right. there is a way to do that, but here it is. Uh, you can't just kind of go off shooting at the hip. I'm getting this in the weeds. I'm sorry. And <laughs> the point is not to talk uh, 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 
positive or negative really about Elon Musk. But again, come back to the issue. This has been intensely polarizing. One uh, actress <laughs> went online and said, I don't know, she she uh, had bought a Tesla and, oh, Elon Musk was the best thing around and Elon Musk is saving the world. And, and then he bought Twitter and suddenly she writes that she burned her Tesla or something and she bought a Volkswagen. And the responses was, so you prefer a company built under Nazi Germany <laughs> to a company uh, <laughs> that's promoting free speech. <laughs> oh, man. The polarization oh, is man. just out there. Yeah. So, so, two things uh, to mention about the polarization. Um because you're an expert on this now. Because now I'm an expert because on you it. listen to a podcast. I listen to a podcast. Then I'll tell you what the podcast was. The podcast was, uh, is 15-Minute History. It is great. It's actually based in Indianapolis as well, which just goes to show how crucial Indianapolis is yeah. for the success of the world. <laughs> we will not exist if Indianapolis goes Keep down Keep plugging it because we don't have much, man. <laughs> Keep selling it. But uh, these – Two guys on a history podcast based out of Indianapolis uh, did kind of a take on what's happened in the world to polarize it. It's in a uh, they they have a theme that they run through each year in their history podcast. This was not the history podcast. This they did over a series of two podcasts in the summer, and what they did was they drew attention to the fact that 40 years ago, before the existence, not so much of the internet, but before the existence of 24-7 news organizations like CNN, and now you have CNN, you have MSNBC, you Fox. have Fox News, you have, there are probably seven or eight different organizations out there who's maybe more well and now we have like your uh european or even oh you Middle have sky Eastern. news what's the uh the al jazeera al jazeera news like yeah yeah so um prior to that news was by and large neutral now a particular uh, uh moderator might have his own biases and they might come out from time to time but the effort was to present global news uh, in a neutral format. With the proliferation of 24-7 news uh, uh, broadcasts, now world news suddenly became very personal and very immediate. Right. We would learn about what's going on everywhere. And I it's happened to me. Uh, I have the news on in the morning. I hear about a shooting and I, oh no, another shooting. And I look at it and it's in Idaho. Well, it's horrible. It's terrible, but it's in Idaho. It, it, what didn't happen in Indianapolis or in, or in Greenwood? Um, what they were saying was that because of the proliferation of the 24 seven, because of the globalization, of news, suddenly what before was reality, North Carolina politics was North Carolina politics. 
And there were Democrats from North Carolina, which is by and large conservative, that would be conservative Democrats. There were Republicans from New England, which is by and large liberal, who would be liberal Republicans. And as a result, uh, in the 60s, 70s, you would have liberal Republicans voting with liberal Democrats on certain issues and conservative Democrats voting with conservative Republicans on certain issues. That's gone away. Yes. We are polarized by whatever color we like to paint on our political card, whether blue or red, whether Democrat or Republican, liberal or, or conservative. And votes at this point, by and large, are party votes. Right. Um, I was listening to a lady on the Lex Friedman podcast um, who she became a – she was under Trump as the go-between between the U.S. and Russia or something. I, I, I don't remember all the details of her, but she was talking about how she was so shocked – um, to, to once she got into like the inner workings of American politics to see, like see how rigid it was and how there's zero room for nuance in it, that it's almost like people rooting for their favorite football teams. That, <laughs> but but I, when she said that, I was like, yeah, kind of. Really makes like, sense. Yeah. How many people just believe everything that their party says? Or get on board with any agenda of their party because it's their party. Right. You know what I mean? Rather than scrutinizingly looking at each detail and going, well, like, is, you know, just because you're right on this issue, does that mean you're right on this issue? Um, And I feel like we've lost a little bit of that. In my, uh, this is no longer the podcast. This is me speaking. It, It appears to me that there is just a hairline of difference, true difference between Republican and Democrat, their, their party lines, their votes, their takes on what's going on are so very, very similar. Uh, they find certain things to beat the drum about, but by and large, they are talking about a big government with a big budget and a lot of uh, entitlement programs. Now, pause. When okay. you say Republicans and Democrats, you were talking about politicians. Politicians. You are not talking about people. No, no, no. I'm talking about the politicians. Right. And so you have to make that distinction, though. You do. Because the politicians aren't always really in their people's corners. That's right. And so you've got to keep that in mind as well. Um, Not to knock on American politics. We have to have have a system, right? Right, right. But there are flaws. Yeah. And it's divided. Well, and the system that we have, even though it's flawed, has worked. It's worked for 240 years. So, you right. know, there's got to be something. We're still good about kicking, it. right? We're still kicking. A little worse for wear. <laughs> um, part of um, oh boy, where was I going? With we that? were talking about the rigidness of the two party system. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, uh, we we've come down to party line votes. As a result, when it comes time to elect a new politician. Very rarely do they actually talk about the the uh, the issues about differences between the two parties. It is much more frequent to attack the character 
yeah. of the opposing force. Yep. Uh, the last at least two and possibly three elections have been more about vote for me because you really don't want the other guy. Right. And it's not vote for me because here's what I'll do. It's, oh, look at what the other guy will do. It's, it's so much worse. Yeah, the mudslinging. Oh boy, it's it's been it's been horrible. Yeah, in uh, uh, the last presidential election, I heard one man say, uh, "My eight-year-old son ran for uh, president of his second-grade class," and I wouldn't let him use the kind of language that's being used in the presidential election. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you want it done with some kind of integrity among parties, right? Yeah. Like, so what do we do with all this? The the world is. It, I mean, point being, we we've talked about most of the corners of the earth. We kind of missed chunks yeah. of Asia there, yeah. but like, things are screwed up right now, and and I don't just mean well because things aren't my way. Things are screwed up. I mean. The fact is everybody thinks things aren't my way, so everything's screwed up. Right, Therefore, yeah. I'm going to hate the other party. That's the real problem is everybody hates everybody. There is a man named Peter Turchin. Uh, his, his full name is Peter Valentinovich Turchin. He's a Russian-American, and he has helped develop something called plyodynamics, which he describes as mathematical modeling and statistical analysis of the dynamics of historical societies. He's gone all the way back to Rome, and he looks at 35 or 37 different elements of society, maps it all out, and what he said recently in a book called Ages of Discord is that American politics has not been this divided since 1858. And what happened in 1858? Well, two years later, you have the Civil War. Uh, he, What he's doing is he's using um, uh, objective criteria to say that, hey, the situation really is bad. There is not only polarization, there is open hatred between the members of the two parties. And I lived in Colombia for a while. In Colombia in the 40s, uh, they went through a period of time um, in which they called it the Bogotazo. Bogota is the capital of Colombia. The Bogotazo is what took place actually in the Senate of Colombia when tensions rose to such a level that senators brought handguns into the chamber of the Senate, turn the tables over and begin to shoot at each other across the aisle. Now that sounds totally insane, totally incredible and totally ridiculous. It happened. And I'm not so sure that we're very far away from that here. There is open hatred. People might not carry handguns because one party stands against carrying handguns. Uh, but man, you know, we're the, the, the level of tension is right there. It's the, scary. The hatred 
is right there. We did hear about people in the last presidential campaign who were attacked for having a motto on their on their baseball cap, uh, walking uh, among people of the other motto. And they were physically attacked. They were beaten as a result. That is scary, and it ought to scare us. Right. And so I, I guess here's the, here's the weird thing about this episode. We're a Bible. We're a Bible podcast. Like, <laughs> we talk about the Bible. We talk about Scripture. We talk about theology. We talk about apologetics. We talk about living out our faith. Those are the things we care about. So why has this just been talking about all the stuff going on in the world? And what, like, why, why would we focus for 30 minutes on all this? Because it matters. Yeah. And because it's the world we live in. And the Bible was given to us as a tool to, to not only know the heart of God, but to then apply the characteristics of God into our own lives and go live it out into the world so it doesn't get like this, <laughs> right? right. Like, but that's where we're at. Or once we're in the middle of a situation like this. What do we do? Well, well, Israel found themselves in that situation over and over and over again. Definitely. They would digress into ungodliness, which let's be honest, the reason we're here is because both sides of the aisle have gotten away from what they should be doing as Christians, whether you're a liberal or a conservative or whether you're – I don't know what all the party systems and all, all the other countries. My point is the further you get away from the Bible, the more you digress into hatred and – love of self and caring about your ideas rather than the ideas of the other person. You count your own ideas and your own life as more important than your that. own the, good exactly. becomes key. Yeah. But what's the Bible tell us? Put exactly others before yourself. Yeah. Count them as more important than you. Put them first. What if everybody in our society actually did that rather than just talked about doing it? Oh my goodness. That'd be crazy, right? It'd be a Christian society. Right. And so so I guess in all this, right, I see all this division. But you know what else is divided today? You know where else there's tension? The church. Yeah. And there shouldn't be. And let me say why. Okay? Be like, well, Zach, that's a pipe dream. Well, if it's a pipe dream, why does it get talked about in the Bible like time and time oh, again, I right? Um, just a few verses. 1 Corinthians one ten. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Is that word perfect there the same as maturely? Probably. Okay, so maturely united in mind and thought. Uh, sec you can look that up if you want. I don't know. Uh, but Second Corinthians thirteen eleven. Uh, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. For full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Acts 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Uh, Ephesians 4.23, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds. Like, you see this constant call for like renewal and unity among the people of God and to not count yourself as what comes first, but to count your brother or sister as what needs to come first. And then you look at us 
and we're so divisive and we're so divided over secondary matters today that we have failed to stand up and be the kingdom, that we get so concerned about our own little castles, that we get so concerned about what happens within the four walls of my church rather than your church, that we forget that the world is falling apart around us and that we have the ability to breathe life into our world when we stand together on the word of Jesus Christ. So I believe that there is a call to unity in the midst of all this chaos. Paul makes a very clear call to unity in Ephesians 4. uh, Verse 3 says, Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And then he has he says all the things that that do unite us. Uh, there is one body, one spirit. You've been called to one glorious hope for the future. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father who's over all, in all, living through all. Before he says that, he says three things. If we could do these three things, it would diffuse a lot of the tension that we have. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, always be humble. Starts with humility. Part of what's going on is everybody is putting themselves first. They're making themselves their own God. Yeah, yeah, even even well-intentioned Christians. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can be responsible of that. And we have to, that's why Paul tells us to constantly examine ourselves to make exactly. sure that we're actually living out this thing that we confess to be living out because it's not hard to fall into sin and error. We have to be vigilant and we have to make sure that we are staying humble and that we're not making our own beliefs and our own thoughts and our own way that we would go about things. We're not letting that become the God that we worship. So Paul says, be humble. That's the first step. Second thing he says is always be gentle. Man, we have lost the art of gentleness. Um, I have friends who teach in inner city schools and uh, first grade. And uh, I, I was talking to one the other day and she, she mentioned, I just can't even be myself. I don't want to yell at the kids, but if I don't yell at them, That's the only way they respond because that's all they get in their homes. We have lost the art of gentleness. And I'm not saying this about the teacher. The teacher is one of the gentlest people I know. Mm -hmm. But to effectively teach her children, she must be aggressive. She doesn't want to be. Because that's the language they've learned to speak. That's the only language they've ever heard. Um, Man, we've got to be gentle. We've got to Which, re uh, uh, capture the art of being gentle. We we do, um, but but also like when we look at the life of Christ, we have to remember that you know he was gentle, but he also knew when he needed not be. And there oh, are yeah. times when you have to not be because that's the only way. I mean, Paul would use offensive and harsh language at certain times in his sermons, um, because it it was an important thing to talk about. Therefore, it called for harsh language. It called for language that explained just how important, just how scary this concept is, right? And so, like, sometimes 
we do have to be more aggressive. But it's kind of like you were talking about in your sermon the other day, the great seal of the United States, that the eagle's face is <laughs> is looking to his one talent. And in that talent, he's holding an olive branch right. because he favors the olive branch. And we as a country, we stand upon a seal that says that we favor peace, the olive branch. Right. But in his other hand, his lesser hand, the left hand, he's what's he holding? 13 arrows. He's holding arrows because, look, we want <laughs> peace. Instruments of war. We want peace and we want to we, – we favor peace and that's what we, the way we want to go about things and that's the way we prefer it. But if we have to, aggression is always a possibility. Yeah. And I think that's the way Jesus approached it. I mean, the one moment that we all kind of look to of Jesus being aggressive is when he's flipping the tables and cracking the bullwhip <laughs> in the temple. because Driving out the animals, yeah. Because they're using the temple to make money. They're profiteering off of God's house. And it angers Jesus to see his father's place of worship being destroyed in this way. Yeah. And that cuts him to the core. And so he shows just how angry he is. Does he hurt anybody? No. Does he scare them? <laughs> like, yeah, probably. They ran. Yeah. And so like, yeah, it's not to say that there's never a time for aggression, but we need to be very careful about the way we use aggression. And we should always try to use peace and gentleness first. Right. 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 Then the third thing Paul says is be patient with each other. Hmm. Cut me some slack. <laughs> yeah. And then he adds this to that. He says, be patient with, it, with each other, making allowance for each other's faults right. because of your love. He says, expect the other guy to screw up. Expect the other guy. And when he does, don't get mad about it. And when he does, don't get mad about it. You do too. Yeah. You also make mistakes. Does, doesn't mean you don't have a teaching opportunity there. Oh, that's right. But you know what else though? Jesus, I mean, that ties into what Jesus says. He says, but before you go and worry about the splinter in your brother's <laughs> eye, you take the log out of your own. That's right. So yeah. when you catch somebody doing something stupid <laughs> and your initial thought is, I need to tell them that they're wrong, your first thought should be, do I do that? Yeah. Do I do it worse than they do? Yep. And then you need to look at yourself. It's like... Everything we do with our brothers and sisters should be done out of our respect because when we look at our brothers and sisters, we're supposed to see the face of God. We're supposed to see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in them. We're supposed to see that they are a shining example of who Jesus is, even if they're not a perfect example of that. And so we are to honor them and love them and respect them. And then they in turn should do the same to us. And when we do that, it's amazing how much better we get along if people just know that I'm actually in your corner. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We can make changes in the world that we live in if we begin to make those changes in the areas that we are involved in, our family, our church, our neighborhood, even our local politics. We can begin to make changes when we honestly begin to focus on other people. What is best for them? What is their highest good? And how can I help them accomplish that highest good? Hmm. Yeah. It, it, I, I guess the reason I'm, I'm putting all this emphasis on, on the church is Jesus left this earth to ascend, to be seated in, on his throne 
at the right hand of the Father. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to us. And the Holy Spirit lives in us and works through us. And Jesus left us with with a simple mission, uh, a, a difficult mission, but a simple concept yeah. to go and make disciples or students mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. that that we make those of every nation. Right. Right. And we teach them to obey him and we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, w- by baptizing them, that the, they then are part of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So th- they're born again, right? How much time do we as Christians spend really, I mean, really going like, okay, Jesus left and he gave us, he gave me a job. How how much time do we spend making sure that we are doing that job well? <laughs> and if we spent more time making sure we were doing that job well, would the world look different? And then the question is, well, how do I do that job better? Or Andy just said it. Those three things. You want to repeat them again? Yeah. Be humble. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient. Teach them to obey. Yeah. That's pretty well it, man. Yeah. But do we put those things first? And here, hey, hey I'm I'm over here talking into this microphone like I am some kind of authority on this. <laughs> I'm an idiot, and I screw up in this greatly. But you know what I'm doing today? I'm going to go have dinner with my brother in Christ after I get out of here. And we're just going to go talk about life. Yeah. And we're going to go talk about Jesus a little bit. And it's going to be a good time. And like, how simple is that? And we come from vastly different backgrounds. And that's great. You can do that with anybody. Just go out and love on them. Be gentle with them. And start looking at the people across the denominational aisle. I'll say this. Randy, Randy knows this, but like, uh, so several of the churches in our area are part of a thing called Christ Together. Um, and basically 10 or so of the larger non-denominational, some denominational churches in this area have been meeting together and we're saying, how can we unify? You know, we come from different backgrounds. We come from different traditions. We're not going to agree on everything, but what's what are the primary things that we do agree on? And And – we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. How can we stand on those things? And now how can we go spread the word of God? Because we're going to work so much better together if if we're united. If we try and do this on our own, we're clearly failing. The world's falling apart. Right? Yeah. How, how do we do better? And I think the answer is standing together as brothers and sisters in Christ rather yeah. than trying to find yeah. the differences between us. Right. Let's try and find the commonality. Yeah. Now, listen, if, you know, one of them's completely different from the orthodoxy of Christianity, well, that's not a Christian well, to begin that's with. Different. That's different. Yeah. But you don't have to agree on everything. You just have to agree on the primary stuff. Yeah. And so go find some churches in your area, meet with them. Today, I met with youth leaders in the area, all from different denominational backgrounds, all meeting together to ask, hey, how can we help each other? How can we grow together? What, what's working for you? Here's what we're doing. Oh, maybe that's a good idea. I should try that. We did that with the with all the, the worship leaders in the area. If you're lay people, do that with other church people. Just go out and make friends with people yeah. from other churches. You don't have to just stick in your own church bubble. And I don't think people do that. But I'm saying, like, don't be afraid to cross the denominational boundary. Don't be afraid to intermingle with people from other churches because we're all serving the same, the same God. Yeah. 
and we're all serving the same cause. And the world doesn't change without the body of Christ working. Right. And we're all part of the body of Christ. Yeah. So we all got to get it. We got, we got to get together. We got to stay humble. We got to read those again. Gentle, humble, and humble, patient. Gentle and patient. We can do that. Let's do it. Um, one more thing. Please. When uh, <laughs> Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, whatever, whatever, when those opportunities to respond to somebody and you've got the perfect zinger to throw out there and just debase them and destroy them, don't do it. Be humble. Be gentle. Right. Be patient. Right. Yeah. They may not agree. They also might not have expressed what they really think in just the right way. Most of us don't. Be gentle. Be gentle. Yeah. I like that. And now that you've got your one thing, can I get my one thing? In? Oh, please do. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, in this. Um, I want to talk about I, – I want to give you this little tool going into the new year. It's something we've been talking about here at New Hope a little bit, and we're going to start talking about it more at our church. But it's a great tool to examine yourself. That's all it is. And it's a, it's, it's a word. That's all you got to remember is core, C-O-R-E. And it stands for this. Call it, own it, respond, execute. And here's how it works. Looking back on this last year, it's easy to look at the whole world and go, here's what's wrong with the world. It's easy to be standing in Taco Bell and say that the world's going to hell in a handbasket, you know? <laughs> what if we didn't do that? What if this year you looked at just you and you said, what could I have done better? How could I have followed Jesus better? What is, what is a habit in my life that, that would be better? What's a habit in my life that's bad and that needs to go? That's right? call it. Call it is to look at your life and see what needs to go. Okay. Own it is to say, here's how I've been failing in this. Here are the things that have contributed to this. This is my fault. It's taking responsibility for it and not just realizing that it's a reality, but realizing that you're the one that did it. You made a decision. That's why bad, That's why you did a bad thing is because you did a bad thing. It's, it's you. It's your fault. And that's okay because you got to own it to fix it. Okay. The next part is to respond and say, here's what I'm going to do. Here's my plan. Here's okay? what I'm going to do differently. Here's how I'm going to act differently. Here's how the next year is going to be different. Here's how, here's this new rhythm I'm going to add to my life or take away from my life to be better. Whatever it is you've got to do. And then execute is now, do how are you going to make sure that actually happens? You're going to need somebody to hold you accountable. And honestly, I think until we get accountability in our lives, things never change. Because generally it's too easy. Yeah. Well, think how many years you as the listener really now be real. How many years have you gone? I need to lose weight or <laughs> I need to bulk up or I need to get in better shape or I need to eat right. Do you make it about two years into the new year doing that before you fall off? Because you don't have great enough accountability in your life. We all need accountability. And so that's the beauty of discipleship. Go get some brothers and sisters in Christ or go get plugged into a church. Go get plugged into a group of friends. Get your wife on board. Get your best friend on board. Get somebody on board, your husband, 
and say, I need you to hold me accountable in this. Do not let me fail in this. I have to succeed in this. Check in with me. Ask me how it's going. Keep me on track because I have to do this. Get that accountability in your life and actually make it happen. Don't let this just be another thing that falls off two weeks from now. We all can do that. We can all do that much. And if you just fixed one thing about yourself, if everybody in the world just fixed one bad thing about themselves, the world would be that many bad things better. <laughs> That's right. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. that. And would it be perfect? No. But if we just kept doing that over the course of the months, are we ever going to be perfect? No. But is that intentionality going to change things? 100%. Yeah. So there you Sounds go, dude. Great. I yeah, just fixed the world. Hey, man. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. From Indianapolis, Indiana. From Indianapolis, Indiana, <laughs> the the center of of history podcasts and whatever we are, and and now fixing the world. You're welcome. I I joke, uh, but yeah. So, guys, uh, you got anything else, Randy? No. Nah, next week we're gonna have to look forward to 2023. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm scared, but yeah, we can do that. Y'all, thanks for listening. Uh, this is Salty Saints Podcast. If you've got questions for us, you can send those to questions at becomehope.com or questions at Salty Saints, or sorry, Salty Saints at becomehope.com. I'm that's messing great. it all up. Yep. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so okay. sorry. Uh, we're working on I'll some be, cool I'll be stuff. be patient with you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, give me some grace here. My brain's fried from talking about 2022. Uh, we are working on a, a website. For salty saints that is that's going to be up and running soon um the goal is to make it so you as our listeners can leave us voice messages so you can leave us uh questions so you can talk to us we love you guys and we are so thankful for you and you are the reason we do this because we want to equip people to be salt and light for Jesus Christ in this world. And we are far from perfect in that, but we want to grow with you and we want to be better at it too. And so uh, we'd love to hear from you, hear your concerns um, or whatever you've got on your heart and just talk about it with uh, on here or with you or whatever. But uh, please reach out to us in one way or another, and that's going to be available soon. Check out our friends at Life Audio. They are excellent partners of ours. We love them dearly, and they've got awesome podcasts uh, of all varieties, uh, but with a spiritual nature. And so uh, prayer, family life, all sorts of things. Get in there, check them out. And until next time, stay salty. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.